Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. Listen. Um, I want to lift the scripture today. This is not, I won't be long, but it, it, this may not be an easy word to hear today. And, and so I like to give these heads up before there's gnashing of teeth. Um, I want to look at the book of Amos and the New Revised Standard Version. Actually, a familiar passage, but the part that's familiar is not the part I want to look at today, but Amos, the fifth chapter, verses 21 through 24. Chapter 5, Amos, the prophet, has been telling God's people about God's displeasure with their treatment of one another. And how in their treatment they have dishonored and displeased God. And well, somebody got their news going, you got to figure out how to shut that off. <laughs> and um, it is a powerful passage, chapter 5. Uh, so I want to lift up verses 21 through 24, again, in the New Revised Standard Version and in the Message Bible. The Message Bible just hits it home hard. Amos 5, 21 through 24. These are the words that God is speaking. I hate, I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your hearts. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I pause there. The Message Bible. If you didn't get that, you'll get this. Matthew 5, 21 through 24. I can't, and this is God speaking, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I have had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. Amen. 
Let's pray. God, we bless your name on today. We honor you today. We are truly in your safety. You have been a keeper and a protector. God, we are thankful. God, someone needs to be reminded today of what you've called us to do. Thank you for the great, the great directive you've placed over this place to live, to love, to serve. We take that seriously, oh God. In an age where there's so much selfishness and greed, where narcissism abounds, remind us of the beautiful and amazing joy of living a life of impact instead of trying to be impressive. Thank you, God, for reminding us to be beautifully human. Flaws and all, issues and all, that just when we feel weighed down by the flaws of our humanity, you remind us that nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing can separate us, God. So God, for that, we celebrate today that your presence and your love and our relationship is indivisible. We love you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remain standing with me. I'm going to read the Message Bible version again. Amos 5, 21 through 24. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You take your seat. This morning, I want to briefly talk from this idea, God's desires. God's desires. Many who come to worship service or go to church come to this moment. And sometimes we are looking for a spiritual booster shot. We've gone through some hard times and difficult moments. And we want to come to church to get reinvigorated. We want to be strengthened to face the days ahead. And nothing is wrong with that. 
what what happens is we get accustomed to coming to this space seeking to get what we need and tragically at times not concerned with God's desires. I mean, for some of us, we have not viewed prayer, for example, as sacred conversation. We tragically look at prayer as a gimme gimmick, always seeking to get something from God, always petitioning God for what we want. The problem is that when we petition God, seeking God for what we want, we don't often think again of what are God's desires. In fact, I would even go further to say that some of us who are believers, not all, some, are terrified at the idea that there is responsibility that comes with discipleship. I didn't say membership, discipleship. That there is responsibility that comes when you proclaim to be a believer in God and a follower of the carpenter. I know it's hard to imagine that there is some responsibility that comes with this journey, especially when in some quarters of Christianity, we reduce Christianity to this relationship as God is some, well, a beneficent tyrant. Blesses us when we're good, but wreaks havoc on us when we're bad. There are responsibilities that come with this journey that come with your discipleship, that comes with you being able to tell somebody, I am a Christian, no, however you choose to define it. There's an obligation. It's not about showing up in a building on Sunday and somehow thinking that your arrival has done God a favor. It has nothing to do with the notion that somehow your spirituality is what brings God pleasure. I know it sounds strange, but I need to somehow sound the alarm for some of us today. Because what God says here in Amos 5 is dislodging and throws us off. I mean, when you think about it, when you read these verses, it seems as though God is frowning upon gatherings like this. And not only gatherings like this, but gatherings like this around the world at this moment on Sunday morning. The idea that when we claim to do this for God, sing for God, pray to God, worship for God, and then somehow that this fellowship is displeasing to God? That's more than what we can bear. And that's why passages like this don't get talked about, don't get preached about, because it doesn't fit into a neatly prescribed understanding of what this relationship and this journey is about. We don't like a God who comes across offensive. We, we don't like always a God who's not impressed by our ecclesiastical theatrics. This causes us great pain. 
Look at the language that God says in Amos. Words like, I hate. I despise. I take no delight. I do not accept. I do not look upon with favor. I do not listen to your songs. The idea that somehow when we offer up prayers to God in the burnt offerings that they did in the Old Testament, the idea that somehow possibly God holds God's nose or God shuts God's eyes or God plugs God's ears is difficult, especially when we invest so much in those rituals and practices. But symbolic ritualism means nothing. Ritualism that is devoid of power, meaning, depth, and humility means nothing. I know, again, this is tough to hear. But what Amos 5 tells me and says to us today is that worship alone may not be sufficient. Can you imagine that? Where worship alone may not be sufficient. In fact, God makes it clear in this passage that there's no points you get for these things if you lack some critical pieces. God said, I'm not impressed by your rituals. I'm not impressed by your ceremonies. I'm not impressed by your fundraising schemes. I'm not impressed by your slogans and your chants. I'm not impressed by your music and your offerings, your sacrifices. They mean nothing. He said, you know what I want? Justice. Oceans of it, fairness, rivers of it. What does that mean? I mean, if you ask some people this week, based on the results of this acquittal of the young man in Wisconsin, we would say that the criminal justice system continually shows us that it shows preferential treatment and deference to white men. And somehow the system is unjust, but yeah, but here it is. That's not a news flash. So if it's not a news flash, our reaction is sometimes filled with so much shock, then suggests something else, that there's ignorance with regard to history if it's shocking that white supremacy infiltrates the criminal justice system. Or that racism is real in courts. If you act shocked to this, that means you've missed the whole history of the formation of this country that undergirds the foundation of it from the beginning. It was not intended to give justice to people who are not viewed as human beings. And so you keep getting shocked as though you had a different expectation when the foundations of the country tell us that it is steep in racism. Why do you get shocked? Why do you keep getting mad over the same things but not changing your approach to how you deal with it? Well, I don't want to get fixed here because some may think that's what I want to talk about this morning. No, you know I don't want to talk about that because those are easy targets. They are easy targets, obvious targets. 
We can rally behind the obvious stench of racism. We can have marches and protests. But let me tell you something. That's not necessarily the justice that God is talking about in this passage. He's not talking about whether courts do the right thing. He's talking about whether God's people do the right thing. You see, again, we love in this era of shallowness, tragic shallowness, no depth. Lack of substance. We love gravitating to the obvious and lamenting the obvious. In fact, there are people on that day when the acquittal came out who are busy posting and posting, fueled by rage and anger, the obvious. You know what's not so obvious? That we don't get angry about? No rallies for? Hundreds of preachers didn't gather for this thing? You know what we don't get angry about? That the highest suicide rate in the United States is among black boys between 9 and 13. Nobody is sounding the alarm to that. That adolescent girls between 14 and 17 are at the highest rates of suicide in the history of the United States. No alarms being raised. Because we're fixated on the obvious, but miss the underlying pain that hits us in the face every single day. Every single day. Young black boys and black girls are dying at their own hands by suicide because of a culture of narcissism that is so fixated on the superficial and the extravagant that we put false realities before our young children. Fueled by social media who feel like they're not enough. Can you imagine what is going on in one's mind when the nine-year-old child thinks that a worthy option is to take his or her own life? care about no Kyle Rittenhouse. I care about the unnamed boys and girls in this community who jump off the top of buildings in the projects, who hang themselves in their own homes because somehow they don't feel loved or validated. And we sit here posting up images of our shiny things, not realizing what it does to the minds of children who don't have access to the stuff you don't even own. You just rent it for the day. It's amazing how critical we were of the last president. He's a pathological narcissist. Well, who are we? He didn't get into office on his own. And he's not the birthing of the problem. He's a reality, a manifestation of a narcissistic culture. And we don't see it that way because we think that our closet narcissism is not harming anyone. What does justice look like for a world that's infatuated with shallowness? What does fairness look like? In the place where we got young people believing that our snapshots and our quick posts are reality. Young girl in Utah, African-American girl, being teased and bullied in school because she was a black girl and because she was autistic. Ten years old and committed suicide. No rallying cry. No posts flooding social media. Why? Because we love being fixated on the obvious while children die every single day. 
in response to our creations. God says, what do you think I want? You think I'm listening to your music when you walk past pain every day? You think your rituals are impressive to me and your ceremonies? When your children die because they don't feel like they're enough? God said, that doesn't do anything for me. It's amazing. We can put calls out for all kinds of stuff. But mental health, silent. Children committing suicide at alarming rates, silent. I was on a special advisory council for a congressional task force on suicide among black boys and girls. When you hear the stories, gut-wrenching. I never could have imagined that the highest rates of suicide would be young black boys between 9 and 13. And we're not in an outrage. When was the last march for that? When was the last rally for that? When did we rally and pool our resources to help young children? who don't feel that their life means anything. Here's God's words. You gather on Sunday. If you ain't about justice and fairness, I ain't interested. You sing songs. If you're not thinking about those who are unnoticed and overlooked in your community, close your mouth. You come together with these cute chants and slogans, but you're missing what is the crux of the matter of life. It means nothing. I know this ain't easy, but truth telling is necessary. And we got people in this country who won't tell the truth because they worried about what people are going to say. I don't know your name, but I know what you're not. You're not a prophet. Because prophets already anticipate that what they say will not be popular. Read the scriptures if you dare. And prophets know that what they say will be repulsive to some people because the prophetic message is to afflict the comfortable. That's the call on our lives when we claim to follow the carpenter. And we miss the mark because we are caught up in the superficial and the easy and the obvious and miss death in the streets every day. No. You can only cancel somebody who cares about being canceled. Life is bigger than the foolishness we fixate on right now. There's more to life than all the trivial things we engage in because it is our children who are watching us and learning from us and becoming just as shallow as us because we have set a standard and a low bar for what it means to live a meaningful life. God said, I hate, I despise 
I'm not even looking at. I'm not smelling your sacrifice. I'm not listening to your songs until you got a passion for those voices who go unheard. Until you're just as anxious. You see, I shared with someone, we are faster to get together for what we're against than for what we're for. I know what you don't like. Tell me what you stand for. And this is the message of the carpenter people miss. We love throwing Jesus' name on prayers, but not empowerment. Jesus sought to show an alternative way of living and an alternative way of treating people who are often overlooked in our culture every day. He showed the way to do it. Engaging people who people don't want to touch. Speaking to people who people rather ignore. Lifting people who folks overlook. That's the ministry. And how dare you turn this into some glamour fest. And prosperity foolishness. I said on the panel the other night, the problem is there are too many preachers in the pulpit who are poster children for capitalism. don't want to speak truth when you more concerned about your platform or profile than being a prophet when you sitting around here more concerned about losing followers than losing children something is wrong it ain't about what the forces of evil that are in this world that we know exist what we gonna do for children if your heart is not pulled apart right now let me say it again the highest rates of suicide black boys who barely see their teens healing is the new black ain't just the slogan it is a plea let healing be at the forefront of the work we do. Let restoration be at the heart of our gatherings. Let wholeness be the focus of our engagement. Because we're so worried about who's looking at us, we forget God is watching. God is watching. And here we are. The most privileged time in humanity. More resources than we've ever had. And yet we ain't even come close to what grandmama and them had to do. With everything we got at our fingertips and still won't read. No. One of my professors said, it is time for a transvaluation of values. We have to restructure how we live in this life, how we show up. And one of the first ways you come into a clearer understanding of the gift of life is through a reality we don't like to deal with, death. I'm going to die. You going to die. We all going to die. The question ain't whether you die. 
It's whether you live. And to deepen it, it's not just if you live. Do you just live for you? I mean, your world is that small that you only live for you. Somebody ought to be changed when you show up. Somebody ought to be able to say, my life has been better because I know you. That you have expanded yourself by giving of yourself. That's the work we are called to, beloved. And again, this is not to discount what we know is reality in this country. Don't get me started on that. Some things never change. But the one thing that needs to change is our approach to the things that don't change. But in order to change the approach, you got to take time and stop reacting. And start strategizing. And ask yourself, what is the desired outcome we seek in the midst of this moment? Because my desired outcome is not to just be mad. It's to make a difference. And you and I have that capacity. And if nothing else motivates you, listen to the words in Amos. God said, I despise this stuff you do. I hate these gatherings. I ain't listening to your music. If you not focus on social justice. Social justice is what makes worship clear because it means that your praise ain't performance is celebrating your engagement as a human being that's what we need in these days i'm over church as theater i'm over religious gatherings as performances if you could show up here, but you can't show up when it's time to feed somebody. If you can come here, but you don't show up when it's time to volunteer to make sure a child has a coat. What are you doing? This gathering is a time of empowerment to do what? Live, love, and serve. That's why we come together, beloved. That's what this moment is about. Because forget the folk who are looking at you and watching. Like I said, God is watching. And here's what I want God to say. I don't know how you feel about it. But in my mind, when my days are done, when I breathe my last breath, there are a few things I want in play. One, I want to leave with a smile on my face. Because I know I've lived the life I was created to live. I want to leave with a smile on my face with no regrets. Because I left none of my dreams unchaste. I want to leave with a smile on my face. Because I took my life and use it to enhance other lives. But most of all, when I go, I don't know how it will happen. Or not when I go, when I'm going, when I'm transitioning. No matter what the circumstance, hospital, but whatever it is, in those waning moments, 
before the last bit of breath leaves my body. In my own mind, I want God to lean over the balconies of heaven and whisper in my ear, well done. My good and faithful servant, well done. You took what I gave you and you made the world different. Well done. You've taken your gifts and you lifted humanity. Well done. You've taken your abilities and changed the world. That's what I want to hear God say. Not whether or not you liked me. Because what good is it to be liked and don't even know what love means? But well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on, stand on your feet today. This past year, I want you to think about this. In the history of the United States, more drug overdoses than any other time. A hundred thousand people died to drug overdose. Suicide rates increasing. During this pandemic, it's believed that over 65% of all Americans have experienced depressive symptoms, some clinically diagnosed. People are having a hard time. But what I realize, when people know that they are people who care, it changes something. And my heart aches at the thought that some of our children, our children, at young ages, feel so brutalized by life that they think the only option is to take theirs. My heart aches for that. It's hard to watch that. I'm going to say something because what I learned is that when you put things in an atmosphere, you give the universe a chance to get working. We have a hope center. Here's my vision. In 2023, at the beginning of 2023, that we're going to have not just a hope center, but youth hope. Because there has to be some place for our young children to go other than school to learn that they are valued and valuable. As I wanted to be said for me personally, I want the Lord to know that I did my part. Jesus said, you can't enter the kingdom until you become like one of these children. How can you think about the kingdom and ignore the pain of children? That's our responsibility, beloved. 
It's not either or. Because guess what I know? We are amazing people. We can deal with racial injustice and save our children at the same time. We don't have to make choices. We can do it all. We can stand against injustice and stand for our children. It can be done. I believe that. If you know someone, youth or adult or otherwise, who has lost their life to suicide, just raise your hand right now. There you go. Look at that. Keep those hands up for a second. Because all those whose hands are up, you don't just represent the person you know, but the tentacles of those people, the relationships. Look how many people hands are up. Who've lost friends, family. We have the power even while we're wounded to heal. You got to believe that today. You got to believe that today. As we pray, I want you to just whisper the names of those persons you've lost to suicide. As we pray, I want you to just whisper their names. Just whisper their names. So the universe knows they're not forgotten. As we pray today. God, we bless your name. We honor you today. God, forgive us for majoring in the minors. And minoring in the majors. Forgive us, oh God for being so driven by validation that we overlooked that we're already affirmed by you. Forgive us, oh God, for not always doing right by our young people. Forgive us, oh God, for the times we've said children are future but make no personal investment. God, these are precarious times we're in. Dangerous times we're in. And I'm just crazy enough, Lord, to believe that there are people who take the teachings of the carpenter seriously, who can turn this world upside down without having to demonize anyone else or weaponize our faith. That we can walk deeply rooted love and change the world just as your son did, oh God. What good is it to gather if we don't believe in our possibilities? We will, we must in this season regain our clarity in terms of who we are, who we're called to be, and the work that is set before us. No more ego-driven work. No more activism rooted in narcissism. 
we will live, love, and serve. Thank you for the privilege of breathing today. Thank you for the gift of life today, oh God. We will leave this place with an attitude that this might be our last day. And with that attitude, we will live life in ways that are transformative and transcendent. Because it is bigger than us. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. And we honor you, God. It's in your name we pray. We say amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.